Coming to you from the greater Montreal area, this is the Not Having It Podcast, where we talk any and all things related to the Montreal Canadiens. I'm your host, Joshua Delorme. Welcome to this week's Not Having It Podcast, the Roundtable Edition. For those of you that are familiar with a Winning Habits weekly roundtables, this will be familiar to you. If you are not familiar with the Roundtable posts, I strongly encourage you to go and check those out. Seeing as how commitments made it impossible for me to participate in the most recent Roundtable post, I figured I would take the opportunity here to turn this week's show into my Roundtable ideas. I will be answering the three questions that my colleagues answered in the post. I hope you guys enjoy it. A little bit of housekeeping before I get started. Don't forget to always keep an eye out on a Winning Habits website for all of our latest news, editorials, and analysis. Make sure to also subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Speaking of not missing an episode, make sure to also tell your friends about the show. You wouldn't want to keep all the pleasure of listening to this to yourself, would you? Lastly, a gentle reminder that you are always welcome and encouraged to reach out to me on Twitter at JoshuaDelorme95 to let me know what you think of the pod and if you have any ideas and suggestions for future shows. So, all right, now to get started with the podcast. The first question asked in the roundtable discussion was um, Mark Bergevin's, um has an well let me just read it for you word for word here mark bergerin has a, has had a knack as of late of getting the majority of his players on reasonable cap hits can he continue this trend and if not who will get the first who will be the first to get a serious payday so that that's a pretty good question i mean it's also very true when you really think about it um if i pull up uh, my trusty cap cap friendly montreal canadians webpage here um they do have um Every pretty much every Canadian player is on a reasonable cap hit. I mean, the highest paid forward is Jonathan Drouin with a five point five million dollar cap hit. So that's and then when you fact when you consider you know when you when you consider other teams cap hits that have player you know multiple players upwards of seven or eight million dollars a year, um, those are fairly reasonable cap, uh, cap hits. I will say this though, um, I think one of the main reasons why Mark Bergeron has been able to um, to keep mainly for the especially for the forward group, um, a lot of his his cap hits quote unquote reasonable um, because he doesn't there really is not a um, superstar player right in this group. Uh, I mean when you when you look at other teams and you know the Drysidles and the, the the McDavid's and, and and the Crosby's and the Malkins and the McKinnons and all you know all these players the the superstars in the league that are making upwards of you know five and a half million as Jonathan Drouin is making. Um, there really isn't a player, a forward on this team that um, has shown um, that he is worth that much money. So, so I think one of the biggest reasons why Mark Bergman has been able to uh, to keep to keep his cap hits, uh, let's say, team friendly, is because of that. Right? He does not have that quote unquote uh, perennial superstar player that's that's considered to be one of the best in the league year in and year out. I think another reason too is, is he has a knack of like getting his players to buy in and to sign long-term deals fairly early on in his in their in, in their um, in their careers to uh, to re- really reasonable cap hits. I mean, let's not forget the uh, Max Pacioretty's last contract, which I think was a six-year, four-point-five million-dollar 
a year contract. And, and so, which in itself is very reasonable cap hit for a guy that, you know, was 35 to 40 goal scorer year in and year out. But that Mark Bergeron was able to take advantage of the situation that he had and, um, and, and, you know, get Max to sign that long-term deal at a very team-friendly uh, cap hit. The other one that, you know, is that I point to a lot is uh, is Brendan Gallagher. If I pull up Brendan Gallagher's contract here, um, he's in the middle of, uh, he's coming to the end of, of what was a six-year contract with a cap hit of $3.75 million. Um, so that was another, you know, pretty good example of Marc Bergevin uh, signing a player right out of their entry-level deal to a six-year contract. At a, re- a very reasonable cap hit. I mean, three point seven five million for for Brendan Gallagher is is a is a joke, really, when you think about it. Um, and and I, I mentioned Jonathan Drouin too. That's another example acquired a few years ago from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Was um, was coming out of his entry level contract and and was also given a six year contract um, at five point five million dollars um, a year. And so one of the one of the ways Mark Bergevin has been able to keep his his cap hits fairly low were um, were that right coming out of the signing long term team friendly deals coming out of coming out of entry level. To uh, and then and then um, but then again, I mean every every general manager has that big contract, right? Every general manager has signed um, a player to a uh, a player or two to a fairly large uh, contract, and 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 when I look up. Um, Mark Bergevin's page on Cap Friendly, his two biggest signings, his two biggest contracts um, were Carey Price, his most recent contract, eight years, $84 million total at a $10.5 million AAV. And and then behind him was P.K. Subban, right? P.K. Subban had signed an eight-year, $72 million co- contract with an AAV of $9 million. And so that, well... The, the, the Carey Price contract, Mark Bergevin had already signed him to a team-friendly um, team friendly contract already. Uh, if, if I look back to Carey Price's um, um, other contract, the, the contract he had just before this one, was also signed by Mark Bergevin a couple months after uh, he took over as general manager of the Canadians. Once again, gave him a six-year, $39 million contract. So that was, you know, with a $6.5 million AAV, um, once again, a six-year contract, and and so Kerry coming in with his eight-year, eighty-four million here, very steep, very very big. But that was Bergevin had also kept up with his knack of team-friendly deals, right? And and PK Subban is another example of that. I don't remember exactly the contract he had signed, but I think it was there was a bridge deal coming out of the entry level that I know for sure. Instead of going. Um, long-term right away and so that that's why the 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 long-term eight-year contract was was slightly higher than it could have been i think if they had signed him to a long year long-term contract coming out of entry level so all this to say is is that yes mark bergevin does have a knack for for doing this um and then and and so if i look at who if he's able to continue this trend well if i look at players with contracts on the verge of expiring i mean, let's just start with contract expiring right now um the only one really that i could see him giving a longish term contract to would be uh, arturi lekkinen and that's nothing that's gonna that's gonna break the bank on anything and then if i look at uh players in need of contracts next season um the one i look at is max domi Right, Max Domi, when he was acquired last year from the Arizona Coyotes, had signed a two-year contract with the Montreal Canadiens 
um, as an RFA for $3.15 million per year. And so if, if Mark Bergevin, I think to me that's the player I circle when I look at this list of if he's able to or not of keeping these term-friendly, team-friendly terms and team-friendly contracts going. I think that's the player I, I look at the most. Is Max Domi going to be another one of Mark Bergevin's victims in this in this contract talk? Um or is is he going to be one of the first, um, or one of, one of the few? I would say one of the very few, as mentioned, Carey Price and PK Subban are the only ones to have gotten really big contracts. Um, is Max Domi going to be one of the few to get that big contract? And I don't know. I mean, to me, I would think, uh, and I'll speak a bit a, a bit more about this a little further on here. But I would think about locking Max Domi up this summer. Uh, take a ch- I mean, take a chance on. But that's the other question too, right? Do you? Do you roll the dice um, and, and, and look at whether this 72-point season was was a fluke or a flash in the pan or whatnot? Or do you say, no, this is really the player that we, that we have going forward and, um, and, and you're ready to make that long-term commitment? Because if you are, then go right ahead. Um, but if you're not entirely quite sure, and I, that's, I really struggle with that a little bit, I would be willing to give him a, a, a long-term contract because I think if I sign Max Domi to a long-term contract right now, as of July 1, I think the, the yearly salary would be a little lower than if, if I let Max Domi play this season out. Um, and so that's that's really one of the risks that Mark, general manager Mark Bergevin here is going to have to make um, and one of the decisions he's going to have to come to in the next coming weeks and in the next months is do I want to sign Max Domi right now? And I think he does. I think, I think, um, Mark Bergevin, uh, in his mind is sure that this Max Domi that we saw this past season, this is the Max Domi we're going to have in Montreal long term. Um, and so I think, I think Max Domi is the one that's going to sign this long term contract. But then again, what kind of money is he going to be asking for? Um, I mean, realistically, if you look around the league, players with 70-point seasons um, tend to make a good amount of money. Um, and, and so I'm not going to sit here and say that, that Max Domi is going to come in and is going to automatically become a, an $8 million player. Um, but he is definitely going to be above, um, I would think, um, definitely going to be above uh, Jonathan Durant's $5.5 million per year. Um, and so I think, I think that's going to be the real big test that he has. If, if he goes further than that, I mean, if you got, if you want to know a little bit more than that, I would think the other big test he would have is if he decides to dip his toe into the free agent market come July 1st. Um, if he does that and he goes big game hunting, um, then he's not going to have a choice, right? But to, uh, but to give out that big contract, long-term big money, type deal to these these big names in free agency whether it be uh, if he goes after Artemi Panarin or Matt Duchesne or what Eric Carlson whatnot right um I think I think that's going to be where it's going to be at right if 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 he decides to dip his toe into the big names into free agency then that is not going to be a team-friendly contract up for sure and then on the flip side of it is if he doesn't, and even if he does, I think Max Domi, one of the players that already in Montreal, um, is going to be another one of his tests, right? Is he going to be able to get Max Domi to buy into taking a little bit less, um, taking a little bit less money per year uh, to stay in Montreal? That remains to be seen. Um, so yeah, so that's that was question number one. I think really you have to look at whether or not. Um, it all depends, really. Like I said, it all depends on what um, 
what route, what route, what what road Mark Bergeron takes this summer. That if he goes big game hunting, then absolutely he will not be able to keep up his uh, his trend of um, signing players to reasonable cap hits. And if he doesn't, well, even regardless of that, then the other test is going to be stay is going to be at home here with Max Domi. Um, question number two. Question number two of the uh, winning habit roundtable this past week was. Uh, what can the Montreal Canadiens do this offseason to have it considered a success or a failure? That's a very good question. Um, because, I mean, every time a team does something, whether it be a trade or a signing, right away, you look at how good of a move is this for the team, right? As soon as a team makes a trade, the first question people ask was, who won the trade? Um, as soon as a, a team assigns a free agent or a contract extension, the first thing that people wonder is was that too much money was that too many years was that contract too big um and so that that's really dependent on on how do you consider success or failure with having said that um anybody that's listened to this podcast in the past anybody that's ever spoken hockey with me or knows my stance on things knows that to me this is a very critical offseason in the in the land of the Montreal Canadiens. And and to me, the only way this can be considered a success is if I would say two of the following three things are done this summer by the time training camp comes around. Number one is improving the top six forward group, either by trade or free agency. Number two, improving the defense core, either by, once again, trade or free agency. And the third thing would be to sign Max Domi to a contract extension. If Mark Bergevin is able to address, I would say, two or three of those things this summer, I will sit here and tell you this offseason was a success. If he's unable to do so, if he's unable to do so, if he's only able to get one of those things done or none of these things done, then this offseason will definitely have to be considered a failure because at the end of the day, the fact remains, as I've said before and I will say it again, the fact remains that there is a pretty big hole on the left side of the defense in the top four. You need to address that. And there is, again, I've said it before and I will continue to say it, there is a fairly big hole in the top six forward group. You're missing a top six forward here. Because I hate to be the one to tell you this. Paul Byron, as much as you can love him, as much as you can consider him to be a great player, Paul Byron is not a top six forward on any Stanley Cup contending team. Andrew Shaw is not a top six forward on any Stanley Cup contending team. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not sitting here and telling you that both those players are top six forwards on this team. They're not. They don't both play in the top six. But one or the other does on a, on a, on a um, very. Um, Game, well, on a on a very um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, but here here is is on a on a on a daily basis or on a game by game basis, one of those two players is playing in the top six, and and that's not um, and then that's that's not something that's you know 
I would say, the best thing for this team going forward. I think if you're able to address, I've said it before, and I'll say it, continue saying this, I will say it until someone, until I'm blue in the face, I will say it until someone in the organization hears me, and until someone in the organization addresses this problem, I will scream it into the heavens, um, as, un, until you are able to address this 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 need at, 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 at forward, this need in the top six, because there is a scoring need on this team. They struggle to score, and, and, and another bona fide top six forward is going to help you with that. And until they're able to do that, this is not a Stanley Cup contending team. No matter who's on the team, I don't care. As long as they are not able to add to the forward group, top six forward group, this is not a Stanley Cup contending team, and it will not be until they're able to do that. And so Mark Bergeray needs to go out this summer and address that, whether it be by going after Artemi Panarin. I don't think Artemi Panarin is signing in Montreal. Whether it be going hard after Matt Duchesne, I think there's a very realistic possibility that Matt Duchesne would sign in Ottawa, uh, in Ottawa, would sign in Montreal. I th- whether it be going after Islanders captain uh, Anders Lee if he hits free agency, he would be pretty good here in Montreal. I don't think he's going to free agency, but you never know. Whether it be going after one of those players or 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 you know a player of that ilk, there are going to be there are a lot of good forwards out, uh, probably going to be available um, come July one. And so if Mark Bergevin is able to land one of those players, then it is definitely a step in the right direction. It is definitely something that you are going to hear me sit here and talk to you about being a positive step for the Montreal Canadiens organization. And and the same is said for the for the whole at defense. I I like Brett Kulak. I have no problem with Brett Kulak on this team. Where my problem with Brett Kulak is Brett Kulak playing in the top four regularly. I don't mind him filling in if there's an injury or is an injury situation, but when he's a regular top four defenseman, there's a problem. Put Brett Kulak in Boston. Put Brett Kulak in 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 Seattle. Uh, Seattle in in St. Louis. Put Brett Kulak in San Jose. Or, or on any other cup-contending team, Brett Kulak is not a top-four defenseman. Yet, in Montreal, he was played as a top-four defenseman, and that was a, bo- that was a problem. Um, and he was, he was outclassed. He was, he was you know, not outclassed, but he was playing in a weight class above his own. Um, and, and, you know, when you look at the underlying numbers, they were fairly decent. I don't think Brett Kulak can handle the load in an 82-game season plus playoffs as a top four defenseman playing 18 minutes a night. I don't think he can do that. So Brett Kulak needs to be slotted properly, and someone else needs to be brought in to play those minutes. Someone else needs to be brought in to play that role of the top four defenseman, whether it be by signing or trading for a player like that. When I look at the free agent list, the only real um, left-handed shot UFA defenseman is Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner is not worth the contract to me because he is not going to sign for anything less than four years, I don't think. And it is going to be above $6.5 million because he is that left-handed shot defenseman. He's the only one available that's top four. That's a UFA. Um, and, and so he's going to have a pretty decent contract coming at him. And so I don't think I would be comfortable giving Jake Gardner five or six or seven years Um on the cap, and 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 so I don't think Brett, uh, Jake Gardner signing in Montreal is is a very realistic thing. And so when I look at when I look at other names, none of them really scream out top four defensemen to me. And so if you're going to address this need, it has to be by probably by trading for one. And and so that's I think that's why I said at the beginning of this. Uh, I think that's why I said if he's able to accomplish two of the three. Um, 
then I would consider this season a success because if I look at Mark Bergman's trade history, it's, it's not all that great when you factor in the a, being able to add to his team. He always adds by subtraction, right? I mean, when he traded for Jonathan Drouin, we lost Mikhail Sergeyev, but we also lost Alexander Radulov. So we needed help. At, we needed top six forward. He brings in Jonathan Drouin, but we lost Alex Radulov. So one was replaced by the other. Um, when P.K. Subban was traded, we brought in Shea Weber. One was replaced by the other. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk was traded. Max Domi was brought in, one replaced by the other. It's always addition by subtraction on this team with Mark Bergeron, so I don't necessarily hold out hope uh, that he's going to be able to to swing for the fences here and make a, a good trade that's going to be able to bring in a top four defenseman. And and the other, the, finally, the third thing I would I would say has to do has to happen for this for the off season to be considered a success will be for a contract extension put in place for Max Domi. Um, and, and for that comes on two fronts for me. One, the simple thing is it no, it does not serve as a distraction throughout the season. He doesn't have to answer any questions through training camp about why a contract hasn't signed. Does he want to play in Montreal? Yada, yada, yada. We can, we've seen in the past how that can be, um, how that can be, uh, disruptive and disturbing and, and, and really, um, you know, can make a mess of things when you think about it and when you look at it. Um, those kinds of questions that they're a distraction, and and so we don't need any distractions. We're in Montreal. We're focused on, we're focused on competing hard every night. We're focused on winning uh, hockey games, and we're focused on trying to make the playoffs. And 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 we can't afford any distractions. So so the limiting contract talks for Max Domi would be step number one. The other thing too is like I've said earlier. I think if you're able to sign Max Domi to a contract extension this summer, you're going to be able to come in to have him come in at one of those team-friendly deals that we've seen Mark Bergeron love to make time and time again, um, because he does. You know, there's that's one season of of really uh, high-end production, and and so that doesn't. It's not like there's. It's been five years of this, right? So lock him up to a, to a long-term contract. He wants to stay in Montreal. He said it at the end of the, at the end of the season locker cleanout day. He said he wants to be a Habs for life. Take advantage of that. And make him one starting now. Get the contract out of the way. Get it done. And 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 if you're able to do that, then that's great. And so to me, two of I I think at least two of those things have to happen for this for this off season to be a success. Um, ideally, I would have to I would love to see all three done. I don't think that's necessarily a realistic thing to expect from Mark Bergevin, uh, because well, if anybody knows me or has spoken with me about this. Um, I'm not Mark Bergman's biggest fan, and and I have pretty low expectations of this general manager. Um, I don't, I don't see why he's still employed in Montreal, but that's that's a conversation for a whole whole other day. And and when and so yeah, so that's 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 it for uh, for the second question of the roundtable. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, when I come back, I'm going to answer question number three uh, that has to do with the Laval rocket, and then I wanted to talk a bit a little bit about something that's going on around the National Hockey League. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. A friendly reminder here that this podcast is associated with fan-sided awinninghabit.com. Awinninghabit.com is where you can find all of your Habs-related content by people that are just like you, fans of the team. So don't forget to go out and check out awinninghabit.com for all of our latest posts, editorials, and analysis of the Montreal Canadiens. All right, back to the podcast. All right, back now for question number three of the weekly roundtable. And and the question here asked and answered um, by my colleagues at Winning Habit um, was regarding the Laval Rocket. And so the question goes, what does a management need to do to turn the Laval Rocket into a playoff contender? Well, 
To me, I think that's a fairly simple answer. When I look, when you look at the talent and you look at at the squad that that was on the ice last summer, um, last summer, last season for the Laval Rocket, you can tell, you can understand why the team struggled. Um, I put, and nor, nor should anyone put any of the blame at Joel Bouchard's feet. Um, realistically, the problem, the simple solution, and the simple. Uh, answer to this question is that last um, last year's team, uh, last year's Laval Rocket was simply not good enough with talent, uh, with youth, with young talent. There just wasn't enough of an influx of talent in the in Laval, and and that comes from um, two things really. One, the easiest solution is poor drafting, um, and and you know that's that's where you're hit. It's either a hit or a miss in the uh, later rounds, um, and. And and the other thing too is when you look at it a couple a few a couple a few years ago over the past few years we've seen Mark Bergevin make some trades at the trade deadline uh, where he moved where you know he would move out some draft picks to bring in some players and and so when you move out those draft picks um, your cupboards don't necessarily restock as quick as they normally would um, and so that to me um, is the main reason why there hasn't been that much of an influx um, in youth right uh, in Laval. I think also if you look historically, I have never, ever, ever been a fan of, of Sylvain Lafive and Sylvain, Sylvain Lafive's coaching style and coaching habits. And, and when he was finally, finally let go at the end of two years, the end of last, not this past season, not the season I just finished, but the one before that, when he was finally let go, which is something I had also been screaming into the heavens for, um, I I think when you look at it, um, Sylvain Lafayette did a really horrendous, like god awful, uh, job of developing youth and developing young talent, and 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 so that also is a reason why Laval has has historically been trash. Has uh, the the when you look at the AHL team and Montreal Montreal's uh, mi- minor league team. It has not looked very good in the past few years, and I think that comes on two things, on a few things, right? Whether it be lack of draft picks, um, whether it be poor drafting, or whether it be just god-awful coaching by Sylvain Lafive and his coaching staff. It's just been terrible. It was awful. I don't know what he did to, 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 to hold on to a job for as long as he did down there. It's just terrible. Um, and all that, to say, all that and, and, and so that, that easily answers to me why Laval was bad this year there just wasn't enough good players and and so what can management do to make that better well right now nothing when you really when you look at it really there's nothing the only thing i would say is you surround um if mark bergman is able to surround the incoming young players with good professional american hockey league veterans then it's a then it's really going to be going in a step in the right direction um because when i look at just uh, you know, Josh Brook is turning pro this year. Nick Suzuki is going to turn pro this year. Ryan Paling is going to turn is turning pro has turned pro. Caden Primo is coming out of the NCAA. Um, just with those four players, that's a very significant, uh, significant influx of young talent that will greatly improve the Laval Rocket. And and so if if Mark Bergevin is able to find you know those those good professional veterans to surround these young players with. Um, I think I think that would definitely go a long way um, into helping Laval take the next step. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to be a a, uh, a playoff team, a playoff contender in the AHL, but it's definitely going to be in the step in the right direction. I think just throwing in a, a goaltender and Caden Primo out there that you can have confidence in and making a save, someone that you look at as a serious, bona fide uh, prospect, a future NHL goaltender. Um, 
I think that's gonna that's also gonna help relax the players in front of them, um, and 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 is gonna help settle everybody down. And then on top, you're bringing you know defense. Josh Brook is gonna go in there and log a ton of top four right-handed minutes. Uh, he's gonna be out there on the power play on the penalty kill five on five. He's gonna be playing tons and tons of minutes. And the same thing for for Nick Suzuki and and Ryan Paling. I want those guys out there playing every you know every situation five on five five on four power play uh, penalty kill uh, whatever it is right these players need to play and and that that's how they're going to develop so i think i think that's what management needs to do right to 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 give joel bouchard um uh, the the tools to do his job i think that's going to be done by by the influx of the influx of young talent that we're going to see coming to laval and if they're able to, if if they're able to surround these players properly with the tutelage of 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 uh, joel bouchard who is widely regarded as one of the uh, best uh, coaches outside of the National Hockey League. Um, I think I think it's going to be a pretty good year. I think it's going to look out to be a pretty good year in Laval. So to me, that's when I say management doesn't have anything to do. It's just mainly go out there and sign a couple veterans. You know, whether it be a couple of forwards, a couple of defense, to really help insulate these young players and 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 help them along and guide them and show them what it's like to be a pro then I think Laval will be in a good spot next season. So that was the roundtable. Um, though, again, as I mentioned, you can find uh, the actual roundtable post available for your reading pleasure on a awinninghabit.com. I encourage you to go check that out to see what all my colleagues had to say to these questions and how they, they answered the questions themselves. Uh, that's always It's always a fun little weekly thing that we like to do um, here at A Winning Habit. And, and as of now, I can tell you that... Uh, the 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 roundtable posts will be available to you on uh, early in the week. I think they're going to come out now on Tuesdays. So keep an eye, make sure to you know keep an eye out on the website for that, and uh, and 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 keep a uh, keep an eye for that post. So finally, to uh, to finish up the podcast this week, uh, I wanted to briefly talk about um, two other things that are going on around the league. I wanted to first off mention. Um, the upcoming Stanley Cup Finals beginning um, Monday evening. That will uh, game one will be in Boston, featuring the uh, Boston Bruins who swept uh, the Carolina Hurricanes in in, in round three, and 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 uh, they will be playing the St. Louis Blues. And I, I wow, that that Blues team is is really quite something when you think about it. You go back to January one, um, that team was the dead last in the in the NHL, uh, dead last in points. In the NHL, and and what what they've been able to do there, um, as of January, is truly remarkable. And and they are they are a tough team to beat. Um, and the fact that they, you know, took out San Jose in in, in six games, um, is truly is, is quite something. Really, I was not expecting that. I thought it was going to be San Jose against Boston in the final. But uh, but yeah, so that I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to uh, to that matchup to see. I think this is. A really cool matchup because I think the Bruins and the Blues are teams that really resemble themselves. I mean, when you look at the you know good goaltending, um, um, the the defense has really the ability to carry the puck, has the ability to shut down the opposition, and those forwards, the you know good mix, good healthy mix of grinding forwards, fast, big, they can hit physical games, and so that's really going to be really interesting to see. Um, which team is is going to have the upper hand here? And I think I think it's going to be really hard for uh, for St. Louis to match um, to match Boston's experience in the playoffs. But then again, anything can happen in a best of seven series, so that'll be pretty cool to watch. 
Um, so yeah, so I'm really excited to I'm really excited to watch that beginning uh, beginning in, in on Monday. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and make a predict. Well, I can make a prediction. Uh, I don't. I'm not gonna tell you. And I think Boston's gonna take this in. Uh, I think Boston wins in six. Seems about right. Yep, I think Boston's gonna win this in six. Um, I think again. I think the experience factor of of Tuka Rask of of the forwards and of the entire team really. I think I think is gonna is gonna is gonna be a pretty big difference. I'm kind of curious to see how how Jordan Bennington is going to be is going to stand up to the pressure of a Stanley Cup final. He's played really well. He's played really well through the uh, through the playoffs so far, but uh it's a whole other ball game, right? When uh, when it's uh, when it's the finals, it's when you're uh, when you're in the ninth inning and and you need to pull it out. Uh, it's where uh, the uh, the men are separated from the boys in this sport and and so I'll be I'll be excited to see and anxious to see how that goes. So best of luck to both those teams. Really, uh, I think uh, this 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 helped um, Craig Berube really uh, cement himself a job for the future. Um, I, <laughs> when you think when when I thought when 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 you go back to when Mike um, Mike Yo was fired and uh, and replaced mid season by Craig Berube, I thought I think everybody was kind of expecting this to be a uh, interim thing and they were going to go out and, and name another head coach well that has since gone out the window as, as Craig Berube will be for sure definitely brought back as the head coach next season and it's also worthwhile noting too when when it's I think I think Doug Armstrong really general manager of the St. Louis Blues really uh, really played it interesting this season because there were there are a lot of rumblings and it's you know known fact it's out there that um that they're they were very close, very close to making significant roster moves, roster changes, um, right about when they started getting hot and they started making a run. Um, I mean, I know, I know, I've read, I've heard that they were a couple days away from Jay Bowmeister going on waivers. They were been trying to move him. They couldn't move him. They were going to put on waivers. Now he's got a one-year contract extension. He's really playing well. Uh, they were doing everything possible. They were trying to do everything they could to move Patrick Mah- Maroon, uh, who's really struggled throughout the regular season and has really turned it off in the playoffs. He strikes me as that kind of guy that, that you want to have on your team in the playoffs, right? That, that, that really knows how to elevate his game and he's built for the playoffs. And, and, and so there were a lot of, and I mean, there were talks of, of tra- they offered uh, Alex Petrangelo to, to the Toronto Maple Leafs for, um, for uh, William Nylander. So I think there could have, there were opportunities for significant roster movement. And I think there could have been some pretty big person, you know, pretty big changes off the team, you know, off the ice too, as well. When you think about the the heavy price of acquisition that that Doug Armstrong paid in recent years for uh, for Ryan O'Reilly and 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 for uh, for Braden Shen, um, and 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 so yeah, and then I mean, you look at also um, Alex Steen turned into a, you know playing on the fourth line. He's really not a fourth line player, but he's really excelled in that role, and and it creates another layer for the opposition to defend against, and then. And then there's um, there's Jaden Schwartz. I mean, Jaden Schwartz scored ten goals. I think it was this regular season. He struggled so much since the passing of his father, and uh, understandably so. But but I think he really really struggled during the regular season and has really turned it on uh, in the playoffs. He's got more goals in the playoffs than he did all throughout the regular season. Um, so he's really shown up, and that's that's been a really fun team to watch. So yeah, so that will start Monday. I'm really looking forward to start watching that. The last thing I wanted to talk about was briefly mention what's going on with, um, in the case of Slava Voinov, the uh, the defenseman uh, whose rights belong to uh, 
to the LA Kings. I don't, if none, if you guys don't remember, if some of you don't remember exactly what happened, you guys must remember the name. Slava Voinov was a very, you know, very good defenseman in his own right uh, for the for the Kings um, a few years ago, and and got got himself into some hot water, got himself into some trouble with. Uh, with some domestic abuse charges and stuff like that, was kicked out of the country, was suspended by the the NHL indefinitely, and, and all that, and and had been playing in the KHL, and and he's been trying to uh, work towards a return to the NHL. Uh, played in the Olympics last year, was clearly the best defenseman in the Olympics uh, in Pyeongchang, um, and 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 so he's he's trying to uh, to make his way back to the NHL, and and so the reason I'm talking about this a little bit is because the uh this his suspension he was suspended by the nhl for a full season for a full year uh and and he appealed that suspension and the independent arbitrator upheld upheld the the season uh suspension the one the 82 game suspension but um also i kind of in a twist ruled that 41 games of that should be deemed having already been served um so as of this coming season 2019 2020 season um when game 41 is played um then Slava Voinov will be available to be to once again play in the NHL and there are a lot of people out there understandably so that uh that don't want anything to do that they don't want anything to do with Slava Voinov uh, the Kings have already come out and said that regardless of this decision Slava Voinov can you know regardless of the fact that he plays in the NHL or not, Slava Voinov will not be a member of the Los Angeles Kings. He's not going to play for the Kings, um, and so I think it'll be a pretty. I'll be pretty interested, keeping an eye on on which teams come forward and, and try to bring him in because I will be. I I am going to sit here and tell you right now that for sure there, he is going to be back in the NHL. There is going to definitely be a team out there that is going to that is going to take on his services. That is going to want to have him on their team. Um, and this is a tricky part, right? I mean, how do you, you can, you can debate back and forth as long as you want, how you bring in a guy like that, uh, with that, with that history. And I'm not going to sit here and, and say that, that no team should do this or whatnot. But I will say is that at the end of the day, everybody, no matter, this is really tricky, right? Because you don't want to get into this, but I, in my personal opinion, I think everybody deserves a second chance and, and, um, regardless of what has gone on in the past, as despicable as the act was. Let's not kid ourselves. As despicable as the act was, everybody deserves a second chance. Um, his he is, his wife has, has moved on. His, his wife is still with him. They're still together. Um, and and whatever private issues they have remain private, right? Um, I'm not going to sit here and judge. I, we can judge him all we want, but I will say this. Um, I think every person deserves a second chance. Um but I will be interested to see. I would not be surprised to see if only one or two, maybe three teams come out and 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 make a push to acquire Slava Voinov from the LA Kings, right? And because it's a PR issue, it's a PR nightmare, right? And and so um, definitely not. I'm not gonna definitely not the Montreal Canadiens. That is definitely not something that the Montreal Canadiens are gonna do. Um, but I just wanted to mention that a little bit, as it's a very newsworthy thing um, going on in the National Hockey League. Um, and so I figured I'd just briefly mention that uh, to wrap up the pod. Um, hopefully he's hopefully he and his wife are in a much better place. Hopefully he himself has gotten help for his, for his uh, clear anger issues. Um, hopefully that's all under control and then hopefully they're able to, uh, to uh, move forward 
properly and, and together and, and whatnot. Um, but again, I think my personal opinion, I think every person deserves a second chance. And, and I think this is his last and only second chance that he's going to get when it comes to hockey in the NHL. So yeah, so on that note, uh, enough about that. That's uh, not a very pleasant topic to talk about. Not something that anybody really always wants to talk about. But uh, but yeah, so I just want to briefly mention that. So on that note, um, brings to an end episode 5 of the Not Having It podcast presented by um, Fansided's A Winning Habit. Uh, I really... I'm really starting to, I'm really enjoying, I've always enjoyed, I'm really, I'm really enjoying doing these podcasts, these weekly shows for you, with you, um, and I'm really, really hoping that you guys enjoy them as well. Um, I will say again, uh, please, if ever you have anything you want me to talk about, if you have any suggestions or ideas about show topics or anything like that, please feel free to, uh, to reach out to me on Twitter, uh, at JoshwaTheLorm95, or you can just drop me a comment, um, in the uh, recap post of the uh, the pod that I put up on the winning habit, you can just drop me a, a comment in there for any suggestions or ideas. Or if you have any questions, if you have any questions you want me to answer, uh, if you have any questions about the Canadians or about anything really that you want uh, that you want answered on the pod, uh, you can feel free to send those out to me as well. So that that that's it. That's all I got for you this week. Uh, hope you guys enjoy enjoy the enjoy the episode. I hope you guys enjoy the the wonderful weekend that comes ahead. Every weekend's always fantastic. Hopefully the weather is on our side again as it's been pretty good lately the past couple of days. Um, and so, yeah, so that's it. Um, I'll be back again next week, um, again on Friday. And uh, I, I know, I did, I wanted to mention this at the beginning, but I forgot. I know last episode I, I, I kind of hinted towards uh, bringing in a guest again this this week, and, and, and there were unfortunate constraints and constraints and, and, and commitments that, that were... In, scheduling problems like that that we were unable to uh, to hook up with uh, with the guests that i wanted to bring on but i will try my best to bring on a, a guest again in the near future um because i think those are those are always interesting for me to do and i think they're i think there's some there are things that you guys enjoy listening to and i think they can be pretty interesting for you as well um so yeah so on that note um so yeah that, i think that's it that's all i got i'm rambling now so i'm gonna stop rambling i'm gonna turn my microphone off and i'm gonna let you guys enjoy your weekend for the not having a podcast this is joshua delorme Signing off.